welcome to the Volva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we're going to talk to Dr. Mario Pretti, who is a gynecologist and an oncologist in Torino, Italy, and he's the past president of the International Society for Vulvovaginal Disease. Hi, Dr. Pretti. Hi, Dr. Selk. Thanks for your invitation. It's wonderful to have you. So we're going to talk about vulvar cancer today. So our first question is, how common is vulvar cancer? Yeah, vulvar cancer is a rare cancer, and uh, it is estimated that there are from two to seven new cases ever 100,000 women per year. In the United States, there will be approximately 6,000 new cases and 1,300 deaths from vulvar cancer in 2020. In the UK, it represents less than 1% of all new cancer cases. And uh, the crude incidence is 4 over 100,000 women a year, the same as in Italy. And the incidence of vulvar squamous cell carcinoma has increased since the early 1990s in the number of Western countries. While most vulvar cancer are still diagnosed in women aged over the 70s, the increase in incidence is in those under the 60 years. And this increase in incidence in younger cohorts is most likely due to an increase in human papilloma virus, HPV, infections with changing of sexual behaviors. Indeed, we recently published a paper where local cancer registers covering more than 15 million Italian female population showed a regular and significant increasing trend for women younger than 60 years. Wow, that's really interesting. And what's the usual kind or types of vulvar cancer? Yeah, there are several types of vulvar cancer. They are classified according to which cell in the skin become abnormal. Approximately 90% of vulvar cancer are squamous cell carcinomas. And there are two subtypes of vulvar squamous cell carcinoma. The keratinizing is more common in older women, is not related to HPV infection, but it's associated with vulvar dermatosis, such as lichen sclerosus or lichen planus. And the not keratinizing type is predominantly associated with HPV-16 and found in younger women. Of course, the remaining 10% are primary vulvar melanoma, basal cell carcinoma, bartering gland carcinoma, adenocarcinoma, and very rare, the very rare vulvar sarcoma. Right. So you mentioned HPV and inflammatory skin conditions. What are the other risk factors for vulvar cancer, specifically squamous cell carcinoma, since it's the most frequent? Yeah, the epidemiological data show us there are two different squamous cell carcinoma and different are the risks. The HPV-related carcinoma is a background of HPV-related intrapetelial neoplasia. Type 16 is the thought to be responsible for most of vulvar cancer in younger women. And risk factor for the HPV infection include the early age of the first intercourse, multiple sexual partner, HIV infection, and smoking. And these women tend to present with early stage disease, 
through several cases of stage 3-4 disease in HIV-infected women have been reported. But the most common type of squamous cell carcinoma is HPV-independent, developing on a background of lichen sclerosus, lichen planus, and differentiated valvarin tripetalian neoplasia, so difficult to diagnose, to recognize clinically and histological, and is characterized by basal cell atypia and abnormal keratinocyte differentiation, and typically associated with P53 mutation. We know that other risk factors include age, and over the age of 65, we have the higher risk of developing vulvar cancer and past history of cervical, precancer, and cancer for the risk of multicentric disease HPV-related. And how do patients with vulvar cancer present to clinic? Well, most vulvar carcinoma will present with specific lesion noted by the patient or a clinician. And symptoms may include itching or bleeding, pain may occur. And some patients are asymptomatic at the time of diagnosis, but most present with long-standing vulvar pruritus and burning, which may be attributable to the surrounding lichen sclerosis. Of course, early diagnosis of vulvar cancers lead to less complicated treatment and to the best outcome. And what do you see on exam? Well, on uh, vulvar inspection, uh, also called the vulvoscopy, vulvoscopy is a naked eye inspection of the vulva and allows us to make a diagnosis of suspicions of vulvar cancer. We have to make a biopsy. And the lesion, a visible or palpable abnormality, may present in different ways. A papule, a small elevated palpable lesion, a plaque, a larger elevated lesion, a nodule, often poorly demarginate, and uh, in most cases with ulcers, uh, with the absence of the epidermis and in some or uh, all the dermis. Of course, the color of the primary lesion is extremely variable, from red to white to brown. And also the margination, the transition from normal skin to the lesional skin is often poorly delimited. And so when you see a lesion you're worried about, people are always asking, where should you biopsy? Yeah, of course, women with suspicion of vulvar lesion is a rare lesion, so they should be referred to a rapid assess clinic for urgent assessment. Clear documentation of clinical examination, the size of the lesion, the distance from the midline, the clitoris, the anus, the vagina, the urethra, and palpation, clinical palpation, lymph node, uh, inguinal lymph node is mandatory. And suspicious lesion should be either sampled by punch or cold knife biopsy. And incisional biopsy should include the edge of the lesion where there is the transition from normal to abnormal tissue to ascertain the background condition. Of course, biopsy should avoid the central ulcer, since this may not be diagnostic. And finally, biopsies should be of an adequate depth to allow differentiation between superficially invasion cancer and those with invasion greater than one millimeter since this will inform for subsequent management. 
Right. And it's very important when you're worried about a cancer not to take the whole thing off unless you're the actual oncologist. It's true. Right. And how is vulvar cancer usually treated? Well, treatment of vulvar cancer is closely related to stage, type, and location of the disease. The patient overall health condition is also important in determining the appropriate treatment. In vulvar squamous cell carcinoma surgery with curative intent is the mainstay of uh, treatment for all locally limited vulvar carcinoma. Normal management of vulvar cancer is uh, individualized to the patient, and the aim of the surgery for the primary tumor is the removal of cancer with clearance of all margin, including deep margin. And historically, this tumor were managed with and block radical excision of the entire vulva and the growing nodes, but evidence demonstrated that no benefit for this technique over radical local excision with separate incision for growing lymphadenectomy, which is far less mutilating for women and carries a far lower rate of morbidity and mortality. Of course, patients should be warned about the effect on sexual function following surgery, especially in cases of where clitoral area is involved. And what is the impact if there are lymph node metastases when we have vulvar cancer? Well, the impact of lymph node metastasis on the outcome in vulvar cancer is underlined by the International Federation of Gynecology and Obstetric Classification of Vulvar Cancer. And for patients with positive nodes, the number and the size of lymph node metastasis uh, determines outcome. And the extracapsular spread of tumor in lymph node is associated with particular poor prognosis. Do the inguinal lymph nodes always need to be removed in these cases? Well, treatment to the groin is required where the depth of the primary tumor is greater than one millimeter. As inguinofemoral lymphadenectomy is associated with high rates of complication, including wound breakdown and lymphedema, sentinel node dissection should be the standard of care where indicated, of course, and it is both accurate and associated with reduced uh, mobility. And so that was what you were saying is that you're talking about sentinel node dissection? Yeah. Right. Is that widely available now? Well, uh, sentinel node dissection is the treatment of choice for small, uh, less than 4 cm, unifocal tumors without clinical or radiological evidence of lymph node metastasis at presentation, so before the surgical operation. And the tumor does not encroach the urethra, vagina, or the anus. There is a clear learning curve for sentinel node. It's very difficult and the technique should be, must be performed by clinician and center with appropriate level of training and expertise to maintain practice. And we have to keep in mind that when a sentinel uh, lymph node is not found, so a methodic failure, inguinal femoral lymphadenectomy should be performed because inguinal recurrence is uh, almost always fatal. And for tumor involving the midline, bilateral sentinel node dissection should be performed. Yeah, it's such a huge advance because if you only have to take that node, it's much less hard on the patients because it's not as big a surgery. 
It's a great advance for sure. So what is your approach for advanced cases of vulvar cancer? Locally advances uh, cancer of vulva are inoperable at clinical presentation and radical surgery of the vulva will not remove the tumor successfully with free margin except for any type of exenterative surgery to achieve adequate radicality. So treatment should include neoadjuvant radiotherapy with or without concurrent neoadjuvant chemotherapy. There are ongoing protocols because these cases require very high level of competency of the center. So radiation therapy is recommended when there's advanced cases. Are there other times that radiation therapy is recommended? Yeah, radiotherapy is to be considered when there are positive excision margin of the primary tumor and further surgical excision is not possible. Pathological margin less than 4 mm, even though no consensus for the threshold of pathological margin exists, and presence of metastatic lymph node, more than one, or presence of extracapsular lymph node involvement. And so we need vulvar and inguinopelvic radiotherapy. And what is the prognosis for patients with vulvar squamous cell cancer? Well, we know that the prognosis is related to the stage of the lesion, and we have a recurrence rate from 12 to 40% in vulvar squamous cell carcinoma. And so routine surveillance is recommended following the primary treatment. We know that node involvement is the most significant prognostic factor for survival in patients with vulvar cancer. And other prognostic factors include capillary lymph space invasion and older age. But we know that most recurrences occur within the first two years after treatment, and they are almost 30% in patients with positive notes and 5-7% among women with negative notes. And what is the recommendations for treatment of recurrent disease? In cases of recurrent disease confined to the vulva, can be treated with surgical resection only, with good cure rates. Surgical resection, surgical rectum, local and growing relapse should be considered in patients with relapsed disease amenable to surgery. In the other patient not amenable to surgery, palliative chemotherapy or radiotherapy or combination should be considered. But depending on the previous treatment modalities of the patient, her preference and her fitness status, systemic treatment may be considered in patients with distant metastasis, but published data are unfortunately insufficient to recommend a preferred protocol for distant metastasis patient. And do you have any recommendations on how to prevent vulvar cancer? Uh, we know that it's a rare cancer, so we cannot perform routine screening as for cervical cancer. There is no currently proven screening test to prevent vulvar cancer. We have some strategies. One strategy is to avoid any controllable risk factor. And in particular, we can reduce the risk identifying and treating any precancerous lesion to reduce the chances of developing cancer. And for HPV-related vulvar cells carcinoma, HPV vaccination is likely to reduce the incidence of intraepithelial 
and HPV-related invasive cancer in the future as the majority of HPV-related cancer is caused by HPV-16. Since the natural history of developing intrapetalian and invasive carcinoma is often decades after the original exposure, the effect of HPV vaccination programs are likely to take many years to become apparent. And uh, we have to think about the not-HPV-related uh, squamous cell carcinoma because we are aware that lichen sclerosis is associated with an increased risk, an increased lifetime risk of developing vulvar cancer with estimating of the risk varying from 2 to 7% of the patient. And so women with lichen sclerosis or lichen planus can be followed in primary care Good control of lichen sclerosis and lichen planus with topical steroid improve symptoms and may reduce the incidence of developing squamous cell carcinoma, accordingly to the most recent paper of the literature. And finally, do you have any recommendations for supportive care? Well, specialized psychosexual counseling services should be available to all women with a diagnosis of vulvar cancer. All patients should be informed of predictable short- and long-term effects of treatment during the consent process. Referral to other specialists to manage symptoms that can affect quality of life should be considered to support patients living with and beyond cancer. I think those are wise words to end with. Do you have any last things you'd like to tell our listeners? Now, I recommend the younger and the older generation to perform vulvar self-examination and to refer to the specialist any modification or the anatomy because we have no screening, but uh, uh, the awareness of women can save lives in the future. Yeah, there's another podcast episode where we talk to a patient who's had cancer and she's really working on a, a check your vulva campaign on online, which is great. So thank you so much for talking to us today. We covered a lot in a very short time on vulvar cancer. Thank you for your invitation. Stay well. Thank you. Thank you. And again, that's Dr. Mario Preti, who's both a gynecologist and an oncologist in Torino in Italy and past president of the ISSVD. Music